Welcome to the Dance to Oneness podcast. My name is Amy Shine, and I'm inviting you to discover and explore the many different paths to more possibilities. Welcome everyone. It is episode 52 of the Dance to Oneness podcast. I'm joined here today with uh, the beautiful Veronica Rotman, who I met last year in what was called Soma School. So Veronica was the teacher um, of a 10-week course in the nervous system. And um, it was in this course it was uh, that I really began to learn the importance of knowing about your nervous system and how that information I got in that course with Veronica really started to change my nervous system. And even just being on these weekly calls with Veronica, like started to change my nervous system. So I actually was going through um, a marriage breakup last year and it was pretty traumatic. And, and it was so funny every Wednesday that we would have our call usually something would happen right before our, our class in Soma school and my whole nervous system would get activated and my body be shaking. I mean, there was even a few times where my ex was like blowing my phone up while I was in class with you, Veronica. You didn't know that at the time, but just even being on these classes every week and learning about my nervous system, even though at that time I could barely even hear what was being said, like I could get bits of information because there was so much going on in my own world it really changed me. It really changed my system and it really helped me to get more regulated. So I really wanted to invite you on here today to kind of just introduce um, my audience and people who listen to me. Like, And I have started to talk more about the nervous system this year. So people are starting to hear it now. And why, why do we need to know about our nervous system? And why has this suddenly become so such a big topic in the world? Yeah, what a great question. And um, yeah, thanks so much for, for sharing all of that. I I had no idea that <laughs> on the other end of the screen there was a there was a whole thing going on. And I'm sure that's true for, for everyone who was there, right? Um why can you repeat the question? So why do like what why do we need to know about our nervous system? Yeah. So our nervous system is driving our emotions our thoughts, our reactions, our choices. And this is happening on a subconscious level. So we can go towards our healing journey. We can go into wanting to rewire patterns that make us feel stuck or like we're always running into the same obstacles by force and by trying to change our mind and the way we're thinking or we can actually get to the root of what's driving those patterns, which is in the body and the nervous system. And so when we talk about transforming our lives, like that really happens through, through the body, through our autonomic nervous system. And yeah, you already spoke to how even just hearing a little bit on the other end of, you know, the summer school sessions was enough to really spark a lot of change for you and growth and uh, I think that we're only going to be 
orienting to this even more in the future, right? We're a very top-down heavy culture. We have internalized this message that we are our minds. And yet we keep running into the same issues over and over, right? Like if changing the way we think was the way, we'd all be healed by now, right? So I would start there. I could add layers and layers of information onto that about why why it's so important to understand your nervous system and get into your body. But but I'll start with that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And and what I loved too was like um like I'm a body person. Like I you know I I mean I did yoga training. I I do yoga a couple of times a week. Thank God because that probably <laughs> makes me much better. I'd probably be way worse. And um, you know, and I teach um, body work. We do hands-on body processes with um, access classes, mm-hmm. and all of it contributes. And 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 of course, all of it, you know, gets you more in your body. And even with the ecstatic dance, the movement, all of that is somatic. All of that's assisting you. But there was something for me where there was still pieces missing, mm-hmm. and so I would still wake up with anxiety, or mm-hmm. I still have my heart palpitating. Where you know, and then. What was missing for me, I think, was the information, mm-hmm. of, you know, and you, you know, you educate us on like the different, you know, the different ways you can be dysregulated in your nervous system, like fight or flight or freeze. And I didn't realize how much of my life I was in fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So could you talk a little bit about like, um, so, well, there's two things. There's like, we're missing information about how our body works. And I think information is really important because when we have information, then we can understand actually what's going on and then we can actually make a change. Mm-hmm. So even though like for those of us who are in the healing field, we've done all these classes and trainings and body works and Reiki and all and all energy work, are we, are we, we're still missing key information here that seems to keep us stuck in old patterns. Yeah. You know, I love all of these practices. I myself am a yoga teacher. I love dance. I love Reiki and all of these modalities that open up more relationship with our body and give us more connection to the language of our nervous system, which is sensation. But I do think that that missing piece is actually learning how to listen to the language of our nervous system when we're doing these modalities, when we're practicing our yoga, when we're receiving Reiki, you know, what I see and one of the reasons I really shifted into doing more somatic nervous system work is because I could teach my clients yoga. I could teach them, you know, how to breathe so that their pelvic floor was supple and strong, but there was a dependence on me helping them feel better temporarily, right? So like, yes, yoga, dance, Reiki, all these things are going to help recalibrate our nervous system. But if we're not getting into what's driving those patterns of anxiety and depression or whatever symptom it is, which is in the nervous system, we're only going to feel better temporarily. It's kind of masking or putting a Band-Aid over the messages our body is sending us like, hey, slow down and listen to what I have to say. I'm holding on to these stories from your past, but you're interpreting them as anxiety from 
the world around you in the present. So our nervous system, our body, <clears throat> when we're not in it, we're going to project what's happening in the past onto what's happening in the present. And then we might try to do all the healing to try to mask it, but we're not getting to the root. And so it's, I think, a combination of like, yes, keep all of these practices, but how are you using them? How can you actually open up and understand what your nervous system is trying to say with empathy and compassion versus, oh, why am I having this disproportionate reaction to what I'm doing? I'm, I'm just out to lunch with my friends. Why am I so anxious, right? And we resist the anxiety, which creates even more dysregulation, right? So it's about slowing down and really going, I, I think, deeper into what our body is trying trying to tell us yeah yeah i even noticed like um you know before i did like the soma school mm -hmm. i you know i would spend a lot of time on the computer like working and what would happen is like after a while like my body would get shaked like i would start my heart would start mm -hmm. pounding while i'm working and it was like my body giving me information you know like maybe get off the computer yeah. and i would listen to it and i would continue on mm -hmm. and then you know, by the time I did get off the computer, then I would be what we what you would call dysregulated, right? So when people hear this word, they're like, what's dysregulated? Well, dysregulated is anywhere you're not in peace and ease with your body, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I'd get off and I, my heart would be so like palpitating. I'd mm -hmm. be full on like whatever, you want to call it anxiety. And then I'd be like, okay, let me go to yoga. Because mm -hmm. uh, that's going to fix it, you know. And then yeah. I get to yoga, and yoga, like you said, would temporarily make me feel better. Yeah. But I didn't really get to the root of what was really going on because I wasn't really listening to my body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what I learned, like with you, was like, okay, all right. So when the when I'm on the computer and the heart palpitation starts, like it starts with like a little bit. Yeah, you know, like, like it's a little, a little, and then I'm like, okay, I know this. So then, like, mm -hmm. I, I come away, and like, I maybe take a moment, or like, get off the computer, or go, like, go outside. And so, mm -hmm. what I start to get more, it's like more connection with my body throughout the day, rather than letting it build up. Yes, like, where I'm so dysregulated. Now I'm running off to do energy work, to do whatever to try and fix it. And like mm -hmm. you said temporarily feel better but nothing ever really changes yes i love that so much amy so what i often say is when the body can trust that we're going to listen to its soft murmurs like its little quiet messages it feels like it doesn't have to get loud to get our attention so you hearing oh i feel the palpitations just a little twinge of them that's when we pause. That's when we maybe put a hand on our heart and breathe versus what we've been taught to do, which is bypass your body symptoms in favor of being productive. Earn your worthiness by working all the time or caretaking or whatever it is. <clears throat> when our most important relationship is is the relationship we have with our body. If we're not actually tending to what the body needs, we can't go out into the world and achieve our goals or have those meaningful relationships because the body is just going to get loud and pull us out of our capacity to, to thrive in the world. And it's doing that for an adaptive, intelligent reason. It's saying, hey, like you're going to run into 
a lot more issues if you don't actually slow down and, and be with what you're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And and um, we do live in a world where it's constant, like, produce, go, do. Mm -hmm. um, and so even... I'd love to just like look a little bit more at the, you know, because you being in the field of yoga and energy work too, like, have we have we created a kind of culture where we are using that as a solution rather than a tool mm -hmm. that can like assist you, you know, um, and and in that like this is now our solution. We're not really getting to, like you said, the core of what our body is telling us. Yeah, I definitely think we we can be. And, you know, one of the things I say is like self-improvement is oftentimes just self-aggression dressed up in yoga pants, right? Like, <laughs> so good. You know, like we show up, especially like news culture is very like, yeah, I'm going to do it every day or whatever our goals are. But actually we're just taking our own our own shame we feel towards ourselves, our own disconnect from our body, our self-aggression, and we're disguising it as something healthy. And some of the practices are beautiful and wonderful, but it depends how we use them. If we're using them to punish ourselves, we're exacerbating a lot of nervous system dysregulation and the shame is just gonna pile up on top of that and come out in all these unconscious ways, right? So how, I think it depends on our actual intention. When you set that New Year's goal, when you decided I'm going to do yoga today or, you know, I'm going to eat this way today, can you really kind of get underneath what catalyzed you to do that and be with the energy behind what kind of pushed you towards, you know, I'm going to follow this this diet or I'm going to, you know, do this workout five days a week. Like let's actually sit with what's happening inside when you decide to, to do that. And typically if it's a decision that's made from sensations that are constrictive, right? Like if I get quiet and sit with myself when I decide like, oh, I need to do that one thing and then I'll be a better person. <laughs> um, if I sit with myself, I, I notice patterns of tension in my body that are telling me, oh, we're not safe. We better do something to prove our worth, right? Uh, I know that one can show up a lot. So it's like, can we actually just be with with that constriction and, and let it be felt so that it's not driving these patterns that push us towards being really, really unnecessarily hard on ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. That's the one like that. That's the one that I probably struggle the most with. It's like, cause someone who I have a lot of energy and a lot, I can produce a lot mm. and learning to like, just sit and be with myself and mm -hmm. not have to produce and not have to go or do or fix. Mm. And that's been a massive learning curve. And that's kind of also what I wanted to ask you about as well. Like if, if you're someone, when you get dysregulated, you get like say a lot of anxiety or mm -hmm. you know like whatever it is heart palpitations um and then from there you're like okay let me go work out or let me go run or let me go to yoga and do power yoga does that dysregulate you even more then mm, wow what a great question 
So we we do need to be able to upregulate. There's upregulation in the nervous system, and then ideally there's downregulation. And in a healthy nervous system, a supple nervous system, we're upregulating and then we're downregulating in these regular waves. We all have a different relationship to upregulation and downregulation. Some of us actually do need more upregulation in order to stay safe, especially if we are prone to immobilization in the nervous system, meaning freezing, fawning, feeling like it's hard to get off the couch, feeling like um, I want to do things, but it's hard for me to take up space and use my voice, right? Some of us need that work. I think it's especially true for women. Uh, and some of us really need more relationship with downregulation. I would say universally, this is something that we're missing in our culture and we're not encouraged to be in the downregulation. But the downregulation, it's like if you really want to be able to go do the, those things on a sustainable level where all systems of your body remain healthy, where your relationships remain healthy, we need the downregulation. It's like the depth to which I rest and am in the pause and the, oh, the exhale is equal to the, the ability to ascend, right? So I think that when you have a system that is more in relationship to the upregulation, it can feel really good to go, 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 go because that energy needs somewhere to go. But how can you, in little bits, you don't wanna decide to just stop doing everything for you know, a whole day when you have a nervous system that feels like it needs to keep going because that will perpetuate some of the dysregulation. Instead, we wanna take little moments, micro moments to downregulate in a titrated, gentle way so that our nervous system can learn, oh, downregulation is safe. If we downregulate too much too fast too soon, it's a bit like slamming on the brakes too hard, right? Whereas if we do it in little bits, gradually our nervous system learns like, oh, I'm not being chased by a bear. Because that's literally what the nervous system is evolved to do. It thinks I'm going to keep you going because you you might die if I don't. That's that's what it evolved to do, even though actually we're just kind of, you know, trying to get stuff done. <clears throat> so how do we show our nervous systems that that survival state doesn't need to be the driving force behind productivity? Productivity is this ability to be in the wave, be in the rhythm of upregulation and downregulation so that we don't eventually crash and burn out, right? Yeah, I love that. And actually, one of the things we talk about too is like how um, our systems like co-regulate with other people. Mm -hmm. so I have a friend and he is like very calm, like, and like moves slowly, even, you know, like everything he does is like very slow. So like, I would like, so when, and then I'm someone who's like fast, so when I'm around him, like when my, so my nervous system will co-regulate with the people I'm around, right? Mm -hmm. And so I slow down when I'm around him and mm -hmm. he picks up. Mm -hmm. So that's our nervous system. So what happens when you have 
people's nervous system co-regulating when you have two people who are very up all the time? Yeah. You know, I think it's possible to find co-regulation for sure, but it depends on what type of upregulation they're in. So polyvagal theory, you know, discovered by Dr. Stephen Porges says that sympathetic, we have sympathetic and parasympathetic, and most of us were taught that sympathetic is bad, that's when you're stressed in fight or flight, and that parasympathetic is when you're resting and digesting. While this is true, what we now know is that all of these states are necessary. We need to have relationship with all of them. It's when we're in an upregulation state that is paired with perceived threat that it becomes more, more distress, more urgency, more anxiety, more anger, right? And those are all necessary things to feel at times. I am not here to bash any of these emotions. They're so good. They're all good. But if our nervous system perceives threat when we're in sympathetic or parasympathetic, that's when it goes into dysregulation where we may feel like we get stuck in it. Perceived, I want to underline the word perceived here. So we can be in relative safety. We can just be chilling with our friend. But if one of their facial expressions reminds our nervous system of something stressful or traumatic that happened in the past, we will have a physiological precognitive response to that meaning our brain doesn't decide to react that way. Our conscious mind thinks, oh, they just said something that was so rude and that's why I'm angry. When actually your nervous system is, it's so smart. It has this memory bank of all of the stimulation, all of the sensory information that was happening to you in the past when you were stressed or in a moment of, of trauma. And it takes all of that information, what, what you were feeling, maybe it's an emotion you were feeling then, or maybe it was a sound you heard, maybe it was that facial expression. And it, it associates all of that information with, oh, it's happening again, if we, if we experience something to it in the, a, a, similar to it in the future. And it will then send us into a survival state. So we might start feeling all of these <clears throat> sudden emotions towards our partner or the person we're hanging out with that are disproportionate to what's actually happening. And we may blame ourselves or blame them or shame, shame ourselves or shame them when in reality, it's our nervous system going, no, 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 I'm just trying to protect you. I'm, I'm bracing against the present moment because of what happened in the past. And so in my work, I'm helping people to uncouple we need to uncouple those associations, that stimuli from threat. So it really depends on your past experiences, right, in relationships, uh, how your caregivers, your parents taught you to be in relationship with other people is a big, big factor. Uh, yeah. I love that. Actually, when you spoke about that originally, I really was like, oh, thank you for saying that because that would happen. Someone would look at me a certain way mm -hmm. and I go, oh, that person doesn't like me or I, I would perceive it. And I knew that wasn't really what was happening, but I couldn't 
I couldn't stop the, the process. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, we can be aware of it. That's the first step. Yeah. But how do we actually get into the sensation that our body is feeling when that person makes a face and we go, oh, they don't like me. Right. How do we, how do we actually feel that sensation so that it can be digested and we uncouple that association of. So is that how we are going on the journey of really healing our nervous system, bringing it back to peace and ease and out of this survival into thrival is really by digesting the sensations we maybe not have been able to digest in the past. Absolutely. And our, we have a defense system built into our nervous system. So if we had an experience in the past that caused our body to freeze, meaning something scary happened and our body determined before our thinking mind could ever determine it, that the best, most survivable state will be freeze, meaning get quiet, shut down, immobilize. All systems of the body slow down. It may suddenly feel like it's hard to take up space, to move, to speak in those stressful or traumatic events. But underneath that, our body may have had this impulse actually to push or to scream or to run. And so in my work, I'm really helping people to go back into those incomplete self-protection responses, right? To open the jaw and bare your teeth, to let your legs shake, right? They wanted to run, but that energy will often show up as tremors in the body. So that, that impulse to self-protect isn't stuck on repeat, almost like a broken record, trying to complete itself. So if we're not completing those impulses, they're going to show up as, oh, I'm angry all the time. I don't know why. I'm angry all the time. Or I'm stressed all the time. I feel like I can't sit still. I have that flight response that didn't get to complete itself, that is trying to complete itself, but I'm mistaking it as I got to go, 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 right? So yeah, going going into the body to really feel like where is that impulse and how, how does it want to be completed is going to restore a lot of energy that's being used to try to complete it is now energy that I get to reclaim for my own health and vitality, right? Yeah, when you stop using your energy for survival and start channeling it into thrival, like mm -hmm. everything, you know, becomes so much greater. Exactly, yeah. So um, one of the things you mentioned too was fawn. Do you wanna just like say a little bit to people if they're listening, because they might not have ever heard of what fawn is? Yeah, I'd love to. So. Fawn is the often considered the fourth F, so fight, flight, freeze, and it often gets skipped over. So I'm really glad we're bringing it up because it's so heavily prevalent in our culture, this impulse to appease. So fawning is appeasement. It's our my nervous system determining that this person or this group of people have more authority than me and therefore, I am going to be as appeasing and caretaking and 
agreeable as, as I need to be to survive. So it can look like people pleasing and I am a recovering people pleaser myself. <laughs> I find that this is especially true for girls and women. You know, we're taught to show up and put a smile on our face and make everyone around us happy. And we also have, I think, a compulsion towards it, you could say, because we have estrogen and estrogen is a bonding hormone. It makes us want to attune to the needs of others more in a more refined way and show up for them. So if you've ever felt like, I, I don't want to people, please. I don't want to make everyone feel like their needs are more important than mine, because that's not true. But it keeps happening. I can't stop it. It's really hard for me to say no. It's really hard for me to set boundaries. That is because it's a physiological response, not something you're choosing. It's a subconscious part of yourself that is healed, actually, through learning how to be with healthy aggression. And some of you might hear that word and go like, aggression? What? Like, that's not okay. What Peter Levine means by healthy aggression is this ability in my body to take up space. This ability in my body to be with what I'm experiencing first and foremost before I, I attune to the needs of others. Or I can simultaneously, right, be with myself as I attune to the needs of others versus abandoning myself, leaving my body and its needs and its messages to prioritize how others might be feeling. And especially if we have childhood trauma, relational trauma, we may feel really, really sensitive to the body cues and gestures and facial expressions and tone of voice of others. And so when people talk about being like a highly sensitive person, I'm like, let's actually reframe that, right? Maybe you are an HSP, but maybe you also have unprocessed trauma, right? That causes you to feel like you're absorbing the emotions and experiences of everyone around you. Yeah, that's a that's a nicer way. At least you know you know there's a uh, there's a solution. But if you just label yourself as a highly sensitive person or an empath, yes, suffer this reality. Exactly, it just stops there. It's like this is my identity, and then you only see yourself through that lens, and it feels cemented in your identity. And other people are also going to perceive you to be that way only, and it it that's not where it stops. Yeah, right. Yeah, I love that because it's like, um, well, the fawn is massive. So thank you for talking about it, the people pleasing. Um, and I even see it in myself. Like if if there's some kind of like conflict or a boundary set, how much then I actually get uncomfortable and I want to go back in and bond with the person. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and with the bonding, I'm doing the people pleasing. You know, I'm trying to make the person like me or be okay with me. And mm-hmm. um, all just to again, just to keep me because somewhere it's like, okay, I'm not safe. Yes. Yeah. It's your body determining this isn't safe. So let's fix it. And we see it happen a lot too. like in sex, women will sexually fawn. That's not you choosing to 
you know, ignore what your body is saying, right? Our nervous system is going, I, I'm not going to survive this if I don't, if I don't sexually fawn. Um, yeah. Wow. That has to be probably a whole other episode. <laughs> like talk about how the nervous system shows up in sex. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up Catholic in Ireland, so it was always mm -hmm. about using and mm -hmm. um, wow. Yeah. So if so in sex, if we if if we have it like I need to please the other person, if I don't, I'm not safe. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Like and then that leads into I can't ask for what I desire. I right. can't use my voice. I can't yes. say what works for me, what doesn't. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like my pleasure is completely put on the back burner because I just need to get through this. Right. So yeah. And I think, think this oh go ahead. As well was the piece where it says, um, if if I can make the other person safe, then I'm safe. Yes. I will do everything to please you and then I'll be okay. Yeah. It's like I'm only okay if you're okay. Yeah. That's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I know you do a lot of work too with um pelvic embodiment mm -hmm. and, and helping people like what do you do with that? Like I'm not completely I listened to your other podcast you did with Trauma Rewired. Um and I and I, I really enjoyed listening to it. So maybe you want to just give us a little bit of what you do. You don't I know it's a massive topic, so I'm not asking you to like go full into it. Yeah. So part of my background is in birth work and holistic pelvic care, which was created by Tammy Kent. My own trauma really showed up in my menstrual cycle. So I had uh, PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, really debilitating, heavy menstrual phases, uh, and a disconnect from, from my pelvic bowl. So when we have experiences that are overwhelming, our nervous system will take us out of our body with intelligence, right? That's a really adaptive response. If life gives us circumstances that we don't have the resources, whether they're inner or outer to handle, our nervous system is really adaptive and it goes, well, I'm going to take you out of being in your body, out of emotion, out of sensation to protect you. And I find that this is really prevalent when it comes to pelvic embodiment, because we are taught that our pelvis is pretty shameful uh, something to ignore, something to, yeah, put up with. And when we lose relationship with our with our pelvic bowl, it can really lead to a lot of nervous system dysregulation because it is such a rich resource for downregulation, for pleasure, for feeling grounded, right? Like if we look at chakra systems, the root chakra really is the foundation to allowing all the other chakras to thrive. So this shows up in the evidence that we have um, in the nervous system as well. And I love that that kind of backs up the like the more spiritual or esoteric understandings that we have. Uh, so a lot of pelvic floor PTs send me their clients when they realize that the work they're doing, the beautiful, amazing, essential work they're doing with hands-on or hands-in pelvic care is actually causing more, more of the same symptom that they're trying to heal, 
which is often this overly gripped or frozen pelvic floor. So instead, let's actually go into the trauma and create more relationship with feeling the pelvic bowl and being in relationship before we do the hands-on or hands-in care. Or some people might have symptoms in their cycle, and we have more and more evidence that women's reproductive health is massively impacted by trauma. Mm. For a long time, doctors will, will tell women like, oh, you're just stressed, that's stress. What they're missing is that stress is caused often, a majority of the time, by unprocessed trauma in the nervous system. And then, yes, exacerbated by our lifestyle. So I'm really in a place of bridging this gap we have when it comes to pelvic health and embodiment uh, between its connection to, yeah, unprocessed trauma and the symptoms we experience. Yeah. Wow. You're incredible. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about all these different topics. I know, like, you know, today was just like, I would say a synopsis, um, like, cause there is so much within this world of nervous system, right? Re regulation and healing. So, um, and then the work you do with the pelvic embodiment is like a whole other, like, um, I don't know, a whole other world, right? And um, yeah. so, and then you also, you, I know you also invite people to somatic movement classes mm -hmm. online, and then you have the SOMA school where you bring people through like a 10 week um, course in, in like getting them educated about their nervous system. So if people are looking for you, where can they find you? Yeah. So my website is waking-womb.com. I'm also uh, waking womb on Instagram and I share lots of resources there. So I love to stay connected and I just, this was so much fun, Amy. And thank you for inviting me to talk about like my favorite things to talk about. So. Yeah. Well, I want to have you back in the future where we can like pick like one topic. Like today I wanted to introduce like people to hey, you have a nervous system and this is some of the things that might be happening. And then we can maybe look at different topics within the nervous system. Oh, we like, could go so many, so yeah. many different directions. Yeah, I would love yeah. that. Um, and so I put your website also above in the notes section. So if anybody wants to go there and thank click you. on your website, they can. So thank you so much, Veronica. Thank you, Amy. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Dance to Oneness podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe. If you'd like to know more about what I have to offer, you can find me at www.amyshine.net.